Hello, welcome to Art on a Podcast, the podcast created by the not-for-profit organisation Art on a Postcard. This series will be having some exclusive conversations with some of the phenomenal contributing artists to our International Women's Day Art on a Postcard auction. All of the artists have generously donated postcard-sized mini-masterpieces to help us continue to raise funds for the Hepatitis C Trust. We discuss what inspires them, how they work, and the contemporary art landscape. I'm Rosa Tor, researcher and content creator for Art on a Postcard, and today I will be talking to our contributing artist, Justine Smith. Paper has always been a primary material in the work of Justine Smith. Her current work is concerned with the concept of money and how it touches almost every aspect of our lives. Justine is interested in money as a conduit of power and also in the value systems with which we surround it. On a physical level, a banknote is just a piece of paper, but it's what a banknote actually represents that is central to Smith's work. Through her collages, prints and sculptures, she examines our relationship with money in a political, moral and social sense, whilst also exploiting the physical beauty of the notes. She's exhibited her work in galleries and museums internationally. Notably, collections include the British Museum, the British Council, the British Library, the Bank of England, the Royal Mint Museum and the UK Government Art Collection, along with many international corporations, financial institutions and private collections. Justine lives and works in London. To find out more about Justine and to take a look at the work that we discuss in today's episode, you can find it all on her website at justinesmith.net. Justine Smith, thank you very much for having me today in your studio. Thank you for coming. It's a lovely space. Thank you. How long have you been here for? I think I've been here for nearly three years. Um, I came from, I had a really nice studio in Borough and then that got kicked out. We all got, the building got taken back. Um, um, As they so often do, artist studios. Then I had to do like an emergency move to a tiny, really dark studio that was also in Borough, and then this came up. So I came, mm, I sort of came timing. here and took it. Yeah, and it's it's not too far from home, so it's it's good. Yeah. Do you yeah. spend a lot of time here? A, lo- a lot of time here. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the moment, I I'm spending seven days a week here. Wow. Yeah, and that's I must say that is quite normal for me in the run-up to a show. So I have got an art fair coming up that I'm doing where I've actually taken the stand um, at the other art fair. And so I did, when I applied for that, I had quite a lot of work um, that I'd made that wasn't sold. And then it all sold. Mm. So I sort of applied for the other art fair thinking I had all this work, you know, that was sort of lying around the studio that would be good to show there. <laughs> and then it's so, so, and so now I'm sort of rushing to sort of try and get some more work finished yeah. in time for that. It's like we were saying, you know, it's like people often think the life of an artist is floating around and you walk in the studio and just frolic and then you go home again. Yeah, yeah. It's rigorous, hard work. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Yeah, I know because we said before, um, before we started recording, it's I've spent the last three years 
working six months of the year, working seven days a week of those six months because it's you know there have been shows and, and yeah. I've had to make sort of quite big bodies of work mm. and um, the nature of my work is that you know it's it's time consuming and labour intensive um, yeah. and sort of detailed and and fiddly and so the only way to get the work made is to put in hours and hours and hours and hours of making it something really shocking like two percent of artists make a living solely from their yeah artwork oh it's tough it's so really hard market, you've got yeah. to be really hardcore to <laughs> yeah. you know to sort of to yeah. do this job yeah, yeah I see. and when do you find it the most sort of enjoyable and satisfying like when is when do the moments come where you're like oh yes thank god i'm an artist i must say actually quite often in like the run up to a show when you all your ideas are coming together and it's like you know that idea of flow that mm. you have flow and you're suddenly not conscious of time you're just really in the moment sort of yeah and it's like when you have that which i think to get to that point takes a lot of work mm. in the run up to to get to that point often yeah. but then when you're in it and you're seeing something that you're making for like the first time just start to sort of reveal itself and yeah. it's and it and it's sort of and you like it then that is just brilliant and then you sort of get home at the end of the day and you're like and it's funny you're like now with because um, I've been working as an artist for I left art school in '93 mm. yes it's coming up to 30 years wow so. The thing is, like, now with, like, iPhones and stuff, I'm constantly photographing what I'm doing as I'm making it. Yeah. And so, like, when you have sort of got something to the point and it's all, like, coming together and everything, or you can sort of go back and see the process of it becoming what it has now become. Yeah. Um, and so working for 30 years, obviously looking around your studio now, you know that the, the, the money is on every surface and it's in your work through... Each series, the nature, the dogs, the weapons, the maps, there's money <laughs> yeah. everywhere in your work as your sort of main material that yeah. you use. Um, was it always money back 30? No, no, it wasn't. But, it, but, it, but it's, it, like, it's always been um, paper. I've always um, been into collage. Mm. And also I've always really enjoyed using found materials, which may sound sort of... Mm. weird because you don't think of money as a found material but when I first used money I sort of felt like I'd just sort of found it really even though it was just um, uh, a friend of mine had come back from traveling um, to the states and had left some dollar bills on the table right and it just they were just sort of sitting there and I thought oh you know those could be interesting mm. to use and I had like a big bag of um, papers that I collected up like bits of magazines and yeah. like you know Mulberry paper and you know all sorts of other bits and pieces in there and I would sort of that was like you know like a bag of materials for me so I sort of went to the post office and bought some dollars because they were cheap they were like 50p each at the time mm, mm. and um and I I I used them on a dog sculpture and the dog sculptures I've previously been using comics I'd used the Beano yeah and um and I thought it would be interesting to do it with the dollars. And 
the minute it was done, I thought, you know, bloody hell, it's really different to how I was imagining it. And it immediately felt really political. Yes, Um, yes. And so I called that dog Luca, as in Filthy Luca. And well, Luca, filthy Luca is like a sort of slang phrase for it means right. dirty money. So Luca is like you, a slang word for money. And um, but it sort of it it, it sort, of, sort of kind of has like very negative connotations that yeah. that that phrase and those okay. words. So um, it kind of went from there. I made a series of twelve dogs. Yeah. And it was when the when the euro was just coming in. And I got the 12 founder member countries' currencies. Right. And made 12 dogs, because there were 12 founder members. And each dog was covered in, um, it was covered in the currencies that were about to be lost. And that was called the Euros for Life. Yeah. Uh, Not just for Christmas. Yes. So that was that one. You must have, you know, sometimes I would look at a five pound note that I'm holding and you know, it's just tend that you just kind of chuck around and you don't really, you, you never sit and look at, at if you're not working with it. And it's every so often, you know, you look and you're sort of like, oh, there's that landscape, there's that, you know, Turner or whoever it might be on the note. Um, do you have a sort of a favorite currency that you think is particularly beautiful in terms of its own design? I really, uh, I really love, I mean, cause so many of them are really beautiful. Um, mm. And that's kind of one of the things I like about them. And there's sort of, there's sort of, there's a sort of, there's a quite a sort of, in a way, you look at a banknote, and there's sort of a way there's sort of quite a strict sort of set of parameters that go into the design because mm. you, you immediately know, even if it's a banknote you've never yeah. seen before, you know, just even like the size of it or whatever in the paper, it's like you immediately understand it's 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 a special piece of paper. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. is kind of weird or now it's plastic. Yeah. Um with the polymer. Um I used to really like the Faroe Islands because really? Yeah, because yeah. their banknotes are sort of slightly different to everybody else's. So they kind of look like watercolours mm. and the front side there's one I think it was like the 50 krona note and um, the front side has like a sort of landscape and it's just like in white and grey it literally looks like a watercolour and then there's a big set of like these amazing ram horns on the front right. and then on the reverse side it's another landscape and it's like a little flock of sheep oh. you know so it's yeah. kind of like you know not what you expect mm. um and it, it's sort of very pastoral and sort of rural yeah because the, the thing that i find really really interesting about banknotes is you know obviously it is just a piece of paper but it's all these other things so it's like a belief system that we're all yes sort of bought into right we're all working for we're working for the next pound or mm. whatever um it's sort of you know banknotes it's like you can read what's on a banknote. You can read elements of a country's history, mm. you know, its culture, its religion. Yeah. You can see to a degree um, markers of its sort of economical sort of condition. So, you know, you could look at sort of developing world notes, like, you know, in Africa or places like that. And you'd see like industries like, you know, maybe like logging or agriculture. Yeah 
think, you know, in the sort of like European like West, you'd have like, you know, inventors, artists, you know, very grand sort of architecture. Mm, You know, mm. it's really kind of interesting the imagery that um, that people choose to use on the currencies and 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 in some of the currencies you actually kind of get to see living history so i make mm. a lot of maps with my banknotes yeah that's one of like the key parts of what i do and in yeah. fact it was making the first map so i i sort of made these sort of different animal sculptures using banknotes right at the beginning and then i had the idea for the map and the first map took me about seven months to mm. make it mm. and and it's you know, they're made in a sort of... I work completely in an analogue way I, because I, I, I can't work digitally. I don't know how to. Um, so I, I went out and I bought a map. Yeah. I bought some tracing paper and a sheet of paper and then I started trying to buy the banknotes, um, which in itself is quite difficult because... Right, yeah. Because the Bureau de Change only stock about 50 currencies yeah. and there are over 200 currencies in the world. Lots of countries have export restrictions, so you you can't take the local currency out. So, for instance, if you've ever been on holiday to Morocco, mm. you'll know that when you leave the airport, you have to give back give your back Moroccan dirhams and swap them back to pounds. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of quite hard to get hold of the banknotes. And then everything was like cut and traced and sort of gradually building up the jigsaw of this map. Mm. So then you sort of have a lot of time to think about what it is that you're yeah actually doing yeah um, is it very important that it is the genuine money do you ever print your yeah. own or no you know? <laughs> <laughs> no so yeah it's a hundred hundred percent like real banknotes so i do make prints f- then from the map but yeah those are made as limited editions but for me it's like if i'm making a map of the world there's no point in me doing it unless i have it so there's like vast amounts of sort of like research that goes into sort of checking out um I've got these catalogue books that I use that the Bureau de Change people use so I can see that my notes are current that they haven't been sort of discontinued Mm. and I'll do even down to like the tiniest sort of island state yeah if it has a banknote I will have that banknote that it uses on my map so Mm -hmm. like an example I always give people is in the middle of the Atlantic there's a tiny island called St Helena mm-hmm. um, which is a British protectorate so it was where we put Napoleon okay. um, after we beat him in battle to keep him out of trouble we took him miles <laughs> from France and stuck him in the middle of the Atlantic so he couldn't rally any more yeah. troops around him it's like a naughty step yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the the um, St Helena has their own banknotes, which are different to normal English banknotes. Mm. It's a totally different design, and and so those those banknotes um, have a sort of a really high collector's value because it's a really remote island. It's really difficult to get to. Yeah, you know, banknote collectors either need to go there themselves to get one or somebody else has to go and they have to buy it from them yeah. so when I was making the map I also had to find a St Helena banknote somewhere and buy it from someone who had one and then get like a pinhead sized piece of it so you can't even actually tell mm. that it is a St Helena 
fragment of banknote on my map but it's really important to me that it is that yeah. because yeah because it's the whole point of making it mm. that it is like it's a money map of the world yeah. and you would probably end up when you look at that map if you knew that that bit had been cheated you probably uh, God, would be, yeah. be like oh you know yeah no it would time. just be it would just be like it would be like I feel like I was sort of undermining everything that yes yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. know that I sort of try to do because like the maps now I feel to me um like they're going to be a sort of lifelong series mm. so the first map was 2004-5 then I made another world map in 2013 I did another one which was China centric yeah um in 2016 I made I made another I made like an exploded world map so I took the continents and then broke all the continents up into individual countries and tiny islands according to yeah. you know so like in um, Africa for instance there are communal currencies so there's like West African states and Central African states which is sort of like having a euro um, right. So all those countries got sort of broken down into their individual shapes. So it's yeah. like on a normal money map of mine, they'll just be shown as one economic block type thing. Mm. Um, but anyway, the thing about the maps being like a series over my lifetime idea now is because it's amazing to see how much things have changed even yeah. since I sort of made the first map. Yeah, it's like you're saying, even seeing the francs on the dogs. Yeah, instance, yeah, yeah. So it is, and and in the time that I've been doing it, you know, it's like we've had like a new country has formed. So, mm. um, nor like Sudan used to be one whole country and now it's North Sudan and South Sudan and they have separate um, banknotes for each country. Mm. Um, so, you know, yeah. it's really, I find, I find that really interesting. Yeah. And when you then, when you then look at the maps, it's like you can you can look at it and you can instead of looking at a political map where you just see a block of colour and you mm. know geographically where somewhere is located, it's like you can look at you can look at this map and you can maybe get a little bit of an insight into what that country's about. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's like you're saying, you know, the work what it feels and is inherently political mm. by using this thing that we uh, attach so much social, political, moral, economic value to um, that it's sort of the work itself becomes sort of geopolitical in a sense. Would you say that that's something you'd agree with? Yeah, because um, you know it is. It is. They are sort of geopolitical by nature. The maps. So um, mm. you know. And are you are you trying to are you making a political statement when you're making them or are you making them and then reading and enjoying what kind of politics emerges from them I know? think that they are kind of documentary right um, and it was interesting actually the or interesting for me at least um, the map I made in 2016 which was money map of the world China um, and that was quite different um, well, at least, you know, from my point of view, it was quite different. And it was a commission. And, you know, I was talking to the client who commissioned it. You know, we were sort of thinking about making a map. Yeah. And this map has um, China 
in the centre of the world. Right. Because we were talking about China becoming um, the sort of future world power. Mm. Because obviously, like, America's like the world superpower because America is the richest nation yeah. in the world. So its power derives from its economy. Mm. You know, and I mean, you could say it's, you know, its culture is also, like, incredibly important. Um, but, you know, um, this map, I sort of felt became it started it was conceived as a, a very political map by putting mm. china at the middle which is unusual yeah. for us and also the size of china this whole map has been i mean every map is sort of manipulated to make it work as an image right yeah so like britain is always historically much larger than it <laughs> yeah. actually is physically on the yeah, map yeah um cartography is political yeah, yeah absolutely and um so, but China has, has been made way bigger than it would naturally right. appear. Mm. But I wanted to sort of try and keep it so that it didn't look cartoonishly like out of whack. Yes. Um, but, and then by choosing like the red banknote, like it, it's like slap bang in the middle of the map. Um, and then because China got enlarged, other areas of Asia had to get enlarged. But then also what happened was... Um, you know, the Americas had to be shrunk and Africa and Europe all got completely shrunk down. Mm. And then as I was sort of in the process of making it, you know, I'm obviously like making decisions about which banknotes to use on, on, on the various countries. So obviously there's only one currency, but they have different denominations of notes. So there's like, there are decisions to be made all the way going yes, through yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that. So, so with America, I used this... Um, there are, there are a couple of different $5 notes in America, and I used Benny's. this one with... Is that what they're called? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Is oh, that's that the Benjamins, yeah. yeah. That's a, is it? That's a hundred. A hundred. And, but this one with Lincoln is... I chose this one because he is... It's, it's going to make him look away out of the world. Right. Which I really liked, because I had the Queen here on, on England, which is at the other side of the world now. Um, you know, one of the farthest sort of countries on the left of yeah. the map. yeah. And she's also sort of looking away. And then the whole, all this background area, that, that is like a representation of Bitcoin code. Um, so it's, wow. blo it's blockchain. So all the, yeah. all those, you can't see, it's all little tiny letters and yeah. numbers, which was taken from images of blockchain. And this map kind of really felt kind of prophetic it was sort of pre sort of Trump, I think, coming in, mm. or maybe he was just getting in, um, because America is sort of looking at you know he sort of like sort of said he wasn't going to fight any wars abroad, and they mm. were sort of focusing inwards rather than sort of looking outwards into the world, which is sort of you know historically since Second World War, I suppose, what America has done. Mm. Um, and us too, you know, we've sort of been sort of looking inwards and having the whole sort of brexit sort of debate so um you know so i suppose the answer is yes they are political i just made actually four a set of four um little maps of the uk um and for the first time because normally i use current issue banknotes yeah um which is kind of you know important i like i because it is because they are political and i sort of think the current issue ones sort of just have a lot of interest and also, I didn't want to sort of be using, like, 
old currency everywhere all the time yeah. because you know it feels more decorative yeah yeah um does that affect it us us changing our currency to pl- plastic to the plastic notes would you still use that? so the polymer notes present problems working 3d mm. um I really think I would struggle to use them in a three-dimensional way in the way I'm, yeah, in the way that I currently work with bank, paper banknotes yes. in a 3D way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of really liked the polymer when they came in. And polymer is fine for collage, because sort of about 30 countries already have polymer. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's I'm sort of slightly going off the polymer British notes because I think mm. I can't use them as, <laughs> yeah. as easily as um, you know as the paper and also I think they jump out of my purse do you they're, know that they're, they're slippy, so yeah. slippy and slidy I, like, I swear I had like 50 quid in there and it's <laughs> like <laughs> it's all gone <laughs> but these ones so these maps which are called the Oldland Isles which is a set of four maps that I made um, sort of towards the end of last year and these ones I did use like historic notes so I used um, I used a series it's called the D series and they were from the 1970s so these mm. were the bank notes that I grew up with right and um, you can see the design is quite different and I mean I think they're really beautiful notes yeah and the queen looks younger yeah the queen <laughs> looks a lot younger and uh, I mean, they're just fantastic. This one I love. It's got um, George and the Dragon on it. Um, I just wrote a little bit about that in my. I'm sending out like a little um, sort of newsletter to my um, mailing list because George, you know, St George the patron saint of England and lots of other countries too, apparently killing the dragon. But St George, St George, is is a so this whole these this whole map series was basically the Oldland Isles series. The Oldland Isles. Yeah. It was all thinking about the Brexit thing that we've just been living through, and so you can see, like, I mean, I've sort of made it look like a sort of an antique map. That's yes, sort of that. Yeah. That was what I was trying to do, um, and then I've sort of written on like the sort of longitudes and latitude lines and put directions to like somewhere and nowhere and elsewhere and here and there um, mm. to sort of try and reflect this sort of um, the sort of limbo that we were in. Mm. And also I called it the Old Lindals because I felt like there was this nostalgia for um, of, of sort of Britain thinking about its place in the world in, in times gone by where maybe yeah. we felt much more secure as a nation and that somehow at the moment we don't. Mm. Um, yeah, so it sort of reminds me of like, um, you know, the shipping forecast. There's a, a Seamus Heaney poem called The Shipping Forecast and he talks about just sort of being like lulled by it. And this is in the 1970s as well during the Troubles um, and just finding like solace and thinking about the nowhere and the somewhere else and beyond oh. the borders and yeah it's a really beautiful poem oh, i should check that out mm, yeah yeah but yeah it speaks to that um i think the reason why i was even reading that poem was because i was doing some research into sort of the borders during the brexit thing as oh. well um so yeah this this work definitely speaks to that yeah for me yeah ma- massively and that that was sort of what it was about and yeah when i was looking at the the banknotes and the saint george thing you know and then researching St George and the Dragon, because you sort of, you know, you're sort of familiar with it, but you can kind of forget the details. That 
you know, he was actually apparently meant to be like a Roman soldier under the Emperor Diocletian. So it's like in like the second century BC or something. Mm. And then I can't, like the dragon sort of got put into the myth like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like years later. And the myth was that he was, um, he killed the dragon because he was saving a princess from somewhere called Silene, right. which is modern day Libya. So he was a Turkish soldier. St. George. St. George was Turkish. Right. Um, and he was rescuing a Libyan princess. So, I mean, you think about what's going on, you know, in sort of, you know, Syria and sort of Libya now. And, you know, and I just thought, well, and we've just had this whole Brexit debate, which seemed to me to be sort of fueled to a large degree about people's concerns about, you know, immigration and all this yes, stuff that's yeah, happening. Yeah. And it's like, well, our national <laughs> patron saint is a... You know, like it couldn't be more multicultural. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But on the surface it could seem to be like totally sort of you know, this sort of patriotic sort of British sort of little Englander sort of type yeah. thing. So there are all these different kind of I wow. don't know. It's so funny, isn't it? Because yeah. sort of like the the nationalist front in Britain, I suppose, would hang the St George flags in their windows yeah. and things like that. It's kind of Heavily ironic, actually. Yeah. I, I didn't know that about him yeah. being Turkish. Yeah. yeah, so there are all these sort of, you know, it's like everything isn't actually what it seems, so, mm, mm. you know. Yeah. But yeah. Well, they're, they're really beautiful and they're really sort of, um, yeah, you could sit and stare at them for hours and sort of, like, take in and read different parts. And I suppose they are, in a strange way, as much as they're for looking because they're sort of aesthetically pleasing, there's also much to be read in them as well and sort of like reading be between the lines and yeah um, yeah and yeah. I, I think and I think but I sort of for me I feel like that's the sort of thing that's true of I just think that's why working with banknotes is just sort of just I find it so interesting because there are all these different layers and yeah. you know yeah. um you know it's like going down a rabbit hole mm, you absolutely. know you can sort of yeah. look at all yeah, these different yeah. sort of aspects of it yeah I wonder so if you could imagine that your work was buried for a thousand years and there's a new civilization what would you hope or what would you think that they if they were to dig up your work what assumptions do you think they would draw about this society's relationship with money like what kind of comment would you think gosh <laughs> well so What's nice to think about, I was thinking if it was buried, it might get a bit soggy and stained. <laughs> <laughs> but I it can think, be sealed in a lead. <laughs> okay, box. but then I was thinking, okay, it's, it's, okay, but it's fine, it's fine because um, there's a there's some work of there's a map of mine in the British Museum mm. collection, and I did a piece for the um, Bank of England last year, which yeah. was. Great. So I know that those two pieces of work at least will hopefully be like yes. well preserved Absolutely, and, and yeah. looked after. So I I think like so one's a map, and I think that um, it will. I think it. I think it. Maybe it will be like reading like a hieroglyph. You know, mm. I went to see the Tutankhamun at the Saatchi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, oh, yeah. God, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, I think it will be like, um, 
I think it will sort of give like a shorthand overview of, of, what, of what our world It's like you're saying, it's documentation. Like. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, like on the 2013 map, for instance, there's a brilliant banknote on there, which is um, on Libya. Mm. And after, before Gaddafi sort of fell in Libya, Gaddafi was on all the banknotes. And then after he was killed, I, don't, I have no idea who produced the new Libyan one dinar banknote. Obviously, the people hated him. He was in their pocket, like, all mm. the time. Um, and so they got rid of all the old um, money with Gaddafi on, and they brought in a new Libyan um, dinar design. And the one dinar note is absolutely amazing. It has, like, the original flag of Libya sort of, sort of, sort of fluttering across the whole front of the banknote. And then there were like these doves of peace flying across it. Mm, mm. Um, and on the reverse side of the banknote, it's like a sort of victory parade of the people. And I think, you know, if they had like two maps side by side, they would be able to see like the old, you know, the old Libyan banknote with Gaddafi yeah. on it. And then this new one. And I think just by actually looking at the images on the banknote, mm. I think someone would understand, even if they didn't know, you know, for instance, you know, about the history of Libya, I'll just take that as our example, because it's a really yeah. good one. Um, they could see that something had gone on there, you mm. know, or you could look at, you know, Europe, and you could sort of see, okay, well, it used to be all individual countries with their own currencies, yeah. and, and now it's mainly like one big block, who kind of like, what happened there? And I mean, who knows, like, in, I mean, in sort of 10 years' time, who knows what will happen with currencies if we'll have, like, um, yeah. national, or maybe there'll be, like, sort of more international currencies, or, do you know what I mean? Because yeah, with yeah. sort of credit and, like, auto yeah. automatic, the weird thing is, I think about, is that um, with everybody paying by contactless and everybody um, paying electronically, it actually means that paper money or plastic money actually kind of represents freedom at the mm. moment mm. because you can be totally... You can sort of think about what's going on in China and the sort of state surveillance that's going on there. Mm. You, you know, that sort of technology probably isn't going to just stay confined to China. You know, there are more and more sort of authoritarian sort of regimes sort mm. of... Mm. Um, so it's sort of a way up. of going off grid. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you if you transact by cash, it's all completely untraceable. But you know, every time you get on the tube, you know, we all do it. Go to the supermarket. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah. like, and all that information is just there mm. to be commodified. It's like we're being turned into. I know commodities like by our own strength. by our own sort of shopping habits. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird. It's sort of like if you were to, you know, keep your bank statements and print them out over a year. And just pin them up on the wall. You'd have a sort of diary. It would be a map, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really would be. Gosh, yeah. that's actually a really interesting idea. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> you could, can you? Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. I think you could sort of do like um, so little little maps from that. Could you yeah. put pins in it? So he was sort of going to Sainsbury's, yeah. snipping into the local... Zara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me <laughs> through your work. I mean, it's thank just it's so fascinating, and obviously, you know, such an you have such an encyclopedic knowledge of the material working with and uh, the 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 countries and the politics that you're sort of um, mapping out. 
that um yeah it's just fascinating and uh, we're so lucky to have you as part of this exhibition oh well i'm really thrilled to be part of it and um thank you so much for coming down oh yeah no worries <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to art on a podcast to find out more about anything in today's episode, go to artonapostcard.com and be sure to follow us on all our social channels at Artonapostcard. Goodbye! <laughs>